Hello and welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast. I'm Richard Hatchett, a registered nurse with a background in critical care and senior nurse editor for RCNI, which publishes the Nursing Standard. In this episode, we're looking at early warning scores as a way of helping us to assess and care for the deteriorating patient in a timely way. And I'm joined by Andy Parry, who is a senior lecturer at Cardiff University with a background in critical care and anaesthetics and who regularly teaches on early warning scores. So welcome, Andy. Hi, Richard. Thank you for having me. That's a pleasure. And the first question, I suppose, to kick us off is what actually is an early warning score and who does it apply to? Um, it's a system that you can use clinically just to identify patients who are deteriorating. The system offers you a score for their physiological state and that score enables you to see are they deteriorating, are they improving? Um, and if, of course, if they are deteriorating, it, it offers a, a trigger point at which you can escalate care to um, to a more appropriate practitioner. So sometimes, you know, medical outreach teams, the medical staff, etc. Um, and they, they apply to all patients. They use widely used in all clinical areas now um, in the NHS and, um, you know, showing a great deal of success. So I suppose that's quite an interesting point, isn't it? Because where we've written articles or edited articles that look at these scores, we've said for use in the high dependency area, et cetera. And we've kind of been corrected by colleagues such as yourself because they can be used in a wide variety of areas. Is, is that right? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the, the current developments are that they are used in primary care settings as well. Um, and they're quite well established in some primary care areas that they're used, you know, some such as News 2 that was developed predominantly for adults, not suitable for children and pregnant women, but ad adapted versions have been produced um, that are fit for purpose in those different areas as well. So um, it is the only, if you like, observation chart, if you want to call it that, um, used in the NHS now in all clinical areas. So is there a lot of them, Andy, or are people likely to see a particular, I was going to say type or, or um, particular model or particular way? I, I mean, are they likely to around the country and internationally see many, many of these tools or are those that have predominated? You've talked about News 2, so I suppose that's one that people are likely to see. Yeah, News 2 would be very familiar to um, UK listeners, really, because it's, it's been adopted by the NHS Um in England and, and of course the devolved nations in Scotland and in Wales as well um, and it, it has been used in other uh, parts of the world but you, you will see different types of early warning scoring systems they're all more or less along the very much the same principle so there's things like um, vital pack early warning scoring system views rapid emergency medicine score REMS um, so these are all sort of variations, if you like, of the same. So um, there are a number of them and they've been around for, for quite a while. You, you know, you'll, you'll find literature far back as 2000 of, of people sort of trialing these kind of, of, of early warning scoring systems. So uh, but the one that, like we say in the UK, is uh, news. News was 2012. News 2 has been in, in place since 2017 um, and that's going to be reviewed this year. So we'll see if there are any changes that will happen due to that review. So what do they consist of, Andy? If somebody is um, asked to use one, what actually is it? What 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 are they recording? They're recording essentially what 
the results of your assessment of that patient. So they will have respiratory rates in there. Um, there might be, it depends on which one, News 2 does have a section there that offers you a place to document and score if they need any respiratory support in the form of oxygen. Um, oxygen saturations, blood pressure, temperature, level of consciousness, and generally what you'll see being used to assess that is um, CAVPU. Um, some areas will have some modifications to them, so some of them might include a pain scale as well. So, um, but roughly they're all very much along an ABCDE kind of route, if you like, so you can document the results of that. So you can develop um, trends and see if the score is going up or down or staying the same, or if you do put, you know, undertake any interventions such as, such as giving fluid or indeed starting oxygen, you can see if that has improved the picture. So um, essentially it's like an OBS chart really. So when you just a couple of things there, ultimately you're going to get a score. So you're, um, as you tick certain boxes, it's adding up and you get a score at the end. Is that right? Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. So, um, you know, it gives you, it sort of risk stratifies the, the, the patient. So low risk would be deemed sort of zero to four, if you like, um, mm -hmm. you know, scores of five to six would be a medium sort of, sort of risk that might trigger you to refer that patient to someone more senior in the department so that they might want to review them. Um, a score of seven or above is, is an immediate trigger for, for um, escalation of care really. So, you know, each section you can score up to a three or a four, but it's the aggregate score that matters the most. That's the thing that's most sensitive. So what is the total score from it when you total them up from every section? So um, and that they've been shown to to be quite sensitive and specific to acute deterioration. So um, so that's how they sort of work. You you got to you know you got to be able to add up a bit to, to use them. Yeah. I suppose um, the other thing, Andy, as well as you were saying couple of things there just to clarify for for those who might be new to this it's useful in terms of trends so you might not escalate at that particular point you might inform somebody but you might not escalate um the care but um you're keeping an eye and you might do another um early warning score and see where you're going so trends it's helpful in trends as well as to where this patient is going in terms of their clinical status absolutely yeah yeah the guidelines are that you know when a patient is admitted that they are immediately assessed using an early warning scoring system so you know what your baseline is and, and where they're going and you know identifying deterioration is part of a series of, of assessments it's not just one you might see somebody who's, who's acutely ill and they might score high but you want to see how how is that situation developing if you like so that series of assessments that helps you develop those trends is super important so you can you know take action when you need to um, and also see that your interventions are making a difference, hopefully. And, and you also mentioned ABCDE. Uh, I'm presuming for those who don't know, you're talking about airway, breathing, circulation, disability and exposure, which is a well-known um, method of systematically looking at patients when you're assessing them. That's right. Yeah, yeah, because that, that is essentially that is the assessment the early warning scoring system say news 2 for instance is where you document the results of that assessment so you know competence in in carrying out that abcde assessment is, is paramount really because if you don't do a thorough assessment 
you know, the score will be meaningless because it's not going to be accurate. So, and we know from, from some studies that there are um, some issues with one, one of the major sort of victims of that, if you like, is the respiratory rate that is um, often done inaccurately. Um, things are improving on that front, but, you know, there, there are, the Royal College of Physicians are, which is where News 2 came from, are very much advocating for some sort of practical system in, in order to counter respiratory rate accurately. So it has to be done correctly. And then also calculating what the total score is. Um, there are studies also saying that, you know, scores are artificially low. So when, when they're independently verified, the score is actually higher than the one that's been documented. Um, and that sometimes that the calculation is incorrect as well. So the adding up of, of the different scores from each, um, from breathing, circulation, et cetera, is, is incorrect. So, you know, they've got to be used correctly and you have to do that assessment thoroughly and systematically. I mean, the respiratory rate is an interesting one because that's been known for some time, hasn't it, Andy, that a rising respiratory rate can be an early warning sign to a catastrophic event like cardiac arrest. Yeah, it's the, it's the first thing that will change. It will change rapidly. It will change quicker than a blood pressure will. The blood pressure does take some time to drop, if you like, if that's what it's going to do or indeed increase um, because pulse will compensate for a while to, to try and, and force a contractility of the heart just to try and maintain a normal blood pressure. But the respiratory is a very, very sensitive indicator of deterioration. So we should never, ever be, be seen as sort of, you know, less important than any of the others, really. So it, it really needs to be counted. And, you know, the news chart offers you a, an opportunity to, 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 to note the rate of, of breathing, but it doesn't offer you the opportunity to assess the work of breathing, um, any additional sounds that you might hear, any wheezing, any crackles, that kind of thing. Um, so that assessment is hugely important um, and it sort of, you know, so the, so the early warning scoring system is a place to document it and for, to help that interpretation of the situation as well. So um, they, they both must go hand in hand, really. And um, you've touched a little bit on this. I was going to say to you, why were they developed? Because it, um, I mean, you've touched on some of the problems with actually using the tool, which you mm. kind of don't think about really until you start using the tool. But what was the problem um, that was occurring that needed these tools? Were people, some people being um, referred and others not, or people being referred late, or um, were, we, were we not picking up deteriorating patients in a timely manner? Yeah, all of the above, really, Richard. Is you know that there was that the, the, there were known avoidable situations of deterioration and death, um, avoidable admissions into intensive care as well. So the, the aim was to try and deal with that, to try and address that issue. But I mean, if you think, you know, news first iteration of news came out in 2012. You know, there are NC pods and National Confidential Inquiry into Perioperative Deaths. Um, a range of reports by them, so one as far back as 2005 called an acute problem, um, highlighting the fact that patients weren't properly assessed, escalation was delayed, escalation to the wrong person, because it's important if you escalate, you escalate to the to the right person. So if they've got an airway problem, obviously you'll, you'll need an anaesthetist, etc., that kind of stuff. Um, back in 2012, again, by NC, Put a Time to Intervene was another report that sort of said the same stuff as, as, 
as the acute problem um, report. But um, sort of interestingly, back in, 19, in the 1970s, Patricia Benner and you know people who have done um, any sort of preceptorship type course may well have come across the Benner scale of competence. Um, her PhD, which is where that where that scale of competence came came out of, but one chapter in her PhD discusses a, a, a deteriorating patient, and it was a, a nurse. You know, there were no early warning scoring systems back then, and it was a nurse um, with dogged det determination to get this patient's care escalated. Um, that meant the difference between that one patient. You know, this is this has been a long-standing issue. That is, you know, news early warning scoring systems is working to address. Um, but news two in the UK that came out of recommendations from the Royal College of Physicians when their acute medical medicine task force back in 2007 um, produced a report that was called acute medical care, the right person in the right setting first time. So all the things that those patients who are deteriorating need really. Um, and their recommendation was that uh, an early warning scoring system be developed um, as quick as possible back then for the UK. And that, that sort of resulted in the development of news and then its adoption across the NHS. So I presume you've touched on the fact that they are evidence-based. I presume the question is they are increasingly evidence-based because they're doing, a, you know, a, uh, reviews all the time but I presume they're based on the fact I mean it, the question I suppose is how did they score the certain factors and you've touched on the fact that respiratory rate is a sensitive uh, indicator therefore I presume it has a particular score but um, there's more and more evidence supporting their use. Yeah absolutely there's you know the, you're spoiled for choice for studies really um, over the years so like I said, one of the first that you'll, you'll find in 2000, 2000 was, um, you know, somebody piloting this kind of system. But the new scoring system and not indeed all the others we mentioned earlier have all been extensively researched because, you know, the intention is that we, we get a system that is sensitive to deterioration and it's quite specific in picking up what is specifically going wrong? Is it a cardiac problem, etc.? Is it a respiratory problem? So um, th there is a mass of, of research about you know what should have a certain score, but also there's a lot of research on their use as well. So I mentioned earlier that you know sometimes the calculation is incorrect um, or the frequency of assessment um, isn't appropriate. So um, you know, th 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 these um, these studies are brought about things like intentional rounding for nurses that they you'd go around the department or your ward at least twice a day, the very minimum, um, you know, looking at your patients and assessing them. Um, so you know they are constantly evolving and developing because um, the news, you know, we've said news and then news two. Well, what's the difference? Well. News 2 has, um, you know, consideration for those patients that have got hypercapnic respiratory failure. So COPD patients would fall into that category. So previously there was nothing, there was no, there was only one saturation, oxygen saturation scale, if you like, and um, which obviously 
doesn't fit to those COPD patients whose normal saturations, it, we usually refer to a range for them, don't we, of 88 to 92. So they would always score very, very high. You know, they'd score a three easily on, on, on the original news. So news two has brought in what was called scale two, which is a scale specifically for patients with hypercapnic respiratory failure. So if it is one of those patients, they're identified and then, um, you know, the staff are directed to use that scale, scale two instead of scale one, which is what you would use for somebody, um, you know, without a chronic respiratory disease. So the, the, they're constantly evolving. Um, and even news two, you know, the call is, please evaluate this, do, do, do lots and lots of research on it so we can see, is it, is it better? Is it improving the situation? So it's an ever-evolving field, really. I was going to ask whether it's part of a wider assessment, but what you're saying is it is the assessment that incorporates other things rather than it being one of a number of things you do. It actually is the assessment and, and sucks in all the other things that you're doing. Would, would that be right? Yeah, it is, it is. Yes, a note of the to it all really Richard it's you know it is part of that assessment it will give you a score so if you are concerned about a patient um, and you can't quite put your finger on what's going on it'll give you a score and, and tell you okay trigger an escalation um, but it's also something that should be used with clinical judgment you know that some patients will come will compensate really well um, you know elderly patients won't compensate as well than young patients but you can have somebody who is very very unwell but they won't score that highly because they're compensating um so you do need to use it with clinical judgment with you know good levels of knowledge of physiology and pathophysiology and a high degree of competence in carrying out an abcde assessment as well um but, but like i said earlier there's there's nowhere on that chart to document work of breathing peripheral temperature um you know things like urine output um, i know a fluid balance chart is something you would pick up to help you with that um, but all these things are part of that suite of assessments you need to do other things such as blood results um or maybe just changes in behavior for the patient you know concerns from relatives um i know there's a, there's a hospital local to us here that the relatives can actually contact the the the, the outreach team if they're concerned um, about their relative because they're very good at judging you know my mum my, my and my dad or whoever's in in hospital they're not quite themselves um, so that should also be taken into account when assessing somebody um, and you know might, might trigger you to do an ABCD assessment and then document it on, on, on a news chart so it isn't a standalone thing um, but it has improved an area of assessment for us. So as a final point, I suppose, what is the future direction? Where are these being um, developed? I was thinking actually reading something on AI this morning. I'm wondering if those things are coming. And I just wonder where it's all going. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, AI is a, it's an exciting and scary place, maybe. Um, I don't know where, which direction that would go. Um, but for these, I mean, you know, adoption onto digital platforms is one thing. You can get apps um, now where you would enter the patient's results in, into that app and that would calculate the score for you and direct you, you know, trigger escalation. 
Um, there's still also a need to educate staff in using these early warning scoring systems um, accurately because that, that lack of accuracy, you know, you, you may well miss a patient that's deteriorating. Um, so, so, you know, missing the whole point of it, really. But um, education, as always, Richard, is, is, is something that's needed. Um, you know, so, so staff should really be going on courses such as research council courses, you know, immediate life support, advanced life support, if the clinical area requires that, or other programmes like, like ALERT. So I know we, we teach it um, at the university for students, and that is, is all about identifying deteriorating patients. Um, so there is a, a definite move towards educating staff in assessment and using early warning scoring systems. Um, and we've seen, you know, the, the fairly recent NMC proficiencies for undergrad, that there's really a push to support students in developing those systematic assessment skills and those um, system-based assessment skills so they can pick up um, deterioration in patients because you know nurses are with their patients throughout their shift so it is it is our role to, to identify deterioration and escalate appropriately um, so you know something I've, I've always had a passionate interest in to do it because of my background I've seen how systematic assessment and using what these kind of scales can can help you with um, but also sort of personal experiences, you know, it's um, the death of my grandfather. If these, if a news chart was in existence when he was in hospital, I, I've, I've little doubt that he would have been okay. He would have survived that hospital admission. Um, so, you know, the future direction really is education. So you can use these charts and these systems accurately. That's brilliant. And a lot of food for thought there. Um, so thank you so much, Andy. Um, and just to let everybody know, all resources connected to this episode of the show can be found at rcni.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and thank you, Andy. Thank you very much, Richard.